the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, July 8th, 2022. I am Seth Liebson. As I stated, many of you have asked me via email, calling in and calling our office line for my endorsements in the primary races. Not just my endorsements for the candidates, but my rationales for them. I've interviewed a great many, some of whom I have endorsed, some of whom I haven't. And along the way throughout those interviews, for purposes of full disclosure, I've always mentioned my endorsement of such a candidate when I interview them. Which is also why I've turned down a great many offers to moderate a lot of community and statewide debates among them. I just never believed I could be considered a fair moderator in a debate where I've endorsed one of the candidates. But not so here, where I've tried to be very clear on my preferences. So I'll give you my comprehensive list of endorsements and rationales in a moment with a few caveats up front. First, I haven't endorsed or even made up my own mind in every race in front of us, and we can talk those through. Second, these are just my opinions, and I expect nobody to think or feel I am in any way foisting them or forcing them on you. The first rule of politics too many people forget is that other people may have other or different opinions. I'm just sharing mine by request. The second rule I take from Winston Churchill, who said that the task of the political scientist is to see things as they truly are. And I just try my best to do that. Leo Strauss, my teacher, Harry Jaffa's teacher, said this about Churchill, quote, Churchill remind us, reminds us of the limitations of our craft and therewith of our duty. We have no higher duty and no more pressing duty than to remind ourselves and our students of political greatness, human greatness of the peaks of human excellence. For we are supposed to train ourselves and others in seeing things as they are. And this means, above all, seeing their greatness and their misery, their excellence and their vileness, their nobility and their triumphs, and therefore never to mistake mediocrity, however brilliant, for true greatness. So, close quote, so if my thoughts help solidify yours or guide you to or away from a candidate or think more deeply or even differently, fair enough. We're here for clarity, not agreement, right? And at the end of this experiment, I'll just offer again, I'm a bit different in the experiment because I know it will make some people very unhappy, but I do so based on our maturity for such clarity in debate. And, well, quite simply, hundreds of you, if not thousands, have asked me to do this. Final point. Not all of you obviously know my background, or many who may hear or be forwarded this monologue may not. So just so you know where my framework and thinking come from when it comes to conservative thinking, background, and candidacies, I did not grow up conservative. I had a conversion experience in college and then graduate school when a professor, Harry Jaffa, mentioned above, grabbed me by the scruff and changed my whole life by changing my whole line of thinking about politics and political philosophy. Harry is perhaps the greatest scholar on the American founding, Abraham Lincoln, and Aristotle in our lifetimes. Some of you may know of his work without knowing of it. He wrote Barry Goldwater's famous speech in 1964 with the line, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice, moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. Since that time, I've been privileged to not only work for and with a great many conservatives, but a great many campaigns and candidates. 
I served as the chief of staff to the three people I've admired most in our conservative constellation, Ronald Reagan's former Secretary of Education and the nation's first drug drug czar, William J. Bennett, the architect of supply-side economics and the greatest conservative domestic policy achievements of the Reagan administration, Jack Kemp, and Gene Kirkpatrick, who is Reagan's ambassador to the U.N., if you have liked some of, that, of what they've said or written over the years, it's highly likely I was part of helping them write or say it. That's been one of my jobs over the years, a speechwriter and ghostwriter for a lot of conservative leaders and candidates. I entered talk radio 18 years ago to start and co-host and produce Bill Bennett's radio show, and I was the lead speechwriter and policy director for Rick Santorum when he ran for president in 2012, where he won Iowa and chased Mitt Romney all the way to the convention much as Ronald Reagan did to Jerry Ford in 1976. I've worked on legal causes for the movement, especially several Supreme Court briefs I did with and for the Family Research Council. I've written a few books in my own name and a lot for others. One in my own was on radical Islam and American culture. The other, with Chris Buskirk, was American Greatness, which is an analysis and justification for the Trump candidacy of 2016 and the subsequent presidency. That book, we've been told, was the best of the genre of books on Trump and conservatism. It took on the Never Trumpers, and it took on the media, and much of what we call Conservatism, Inc., which was in the subtitle of that book. I helped start the website, American Greatness, as a co-founder. I've worked for and advised other presidential and Senate and House campaigns, and I helped start the Intellectuals for Trump effort. I was even asked and offered the job of speechwriter for Donald Trump when he did win in 2016. Obviously, I did not take it, but I nearly did. When the legalization of marijuana effort came to Arizona in 2016, I was asked to chair the effort to oppose it. And we were the only state that won that effort that year, the only state that was victorious. On and on I could go, but I thought it important to sketch some of this out for those of you who may not know my background. And because there's a tendency in our movement to call anyone a rhino who doesn't support every idea candidate or opinion that seems catechistic at one time or another, in one race or another. We abjure being called names as conservative, especially as they are mostly untrue, and we know that defamation is the first refuge of the non-thinker. So I would only ask maybe we think about that, too, when it comes to our own movement. In selecting candidates myself, I've always liked William Buckley's distinction between someone who is conservative and someone who is a conservative. A conservative with an indefinite article as someone with conservative intellectual foundations, but without the indefinite article, someone who is merely conservative rather than a conservative, is someone who does the conservative thing often, but not based on any deep-rooted philosophy. For example, Bill Buckley or Barry Goldwater would be, would be one kind of a conservative. Someone like a Dwight Eisenhower or George H.W. Bush or maybe even his son when he was president would be non-indefinite article conservatives. Something a little less solid than you like because there's no real foundation there, which explains why leaders like that can let us down so often. So all that out of the way, let's start with the big one, the race for governor. I'm a huge Karen Taylor Robeson fan and have been for years, years before anyone in this audience even probably heard her name or knew of her. I knew of her because of the trenches I've worked and fought in. She was always there in almost every cause I've held near and dear. Karen was always my first go-to when I needed help or support in a cause or campaign, whether it was on behalf of children, education reform, 
drug prevention, you name it. And others have seen her that way, too. A lot of others. I think it's important when a candidate asks for your support, we know a little bit about what that person was up to before they decided to publicly ask you to trust them with your vote or money. Were they involved in charitable causes, any civic causes, other political causes? Did they risk their reputations or careers or anything with skin in the game on behalf of a good or any cause whatsoever? Karen's resume on this front would fill pages. Her opponent went straight from telling us fake news by her own admission to running for governor with no civic or civil engagement available on her biography at all. Again, Karen's would fill pages. I grew up believing we want candidates who show and live a sermon rather than just give one. Two of many engagements Karen's been involved in, I'll mention briefly. She started the campaign to mandate high school students know civics before they graduate. She started that here in Arizona and has taken off across the country. When our state legislature was being targeted by leftist out-of-state money interests to replace Republicans here with Democrats, Karen rolled up her sleeves and led the effort in Arizona to ensure our legislature stayed in Republican hands. I've known Karen as a serious pro-life activist and supporter of pro-life causes, including the beautiful Maggie's House she spoke of on this show. I've known her to volunteer to write op-eds for conservative causes where she thought her name in the business community might help that cause, even if it would anger the liberal and left-wing parts of our community, maybe even if it would hurt her business. Working with conservatives in D.C. whenever something in Arizona would come up, almost always those conservatives in D.C. would ask to reach out to or ask me to reach out to Karen saying, well, what does Karen think? Karen is someone who, long before she ever contemplated running for governor, raised over $1 million for Donald Trump and who received the Honoree of the Year Award from the American Council of Trustees and alumni in 2020. That's the conservative group that supports conservative students, professors, and alumni when the colleges and programs go woke. Read her speech on higher education at their website when they gave her the award. It's the most intellectually deep and conservative speech on higher education you'll have seen in a long time. If you want, email me and I can send you the link. But it will, I think, show you her truest of beliefs, which is the service of the safety and sanity of our children's minds and souls. And by the way, this is to say nothing of her work ethic, which is why I am so damned angry about what I've seen said and written about her from people who discovered conservatism a little over a year ago and maybe since. Karen is a small business owner and built her business over decades before she was ever married. As an attorney, she was arguing in court at eight months of pregnancy. As a land developer and consultant, she was battling federal and state government agencies and regulations for decades. If you visit her in her office to get advice or to do business, you would see stacks of the same book on her side desk. Why stacks of the same book? Because every month she'd be reading a conservative book she liked and would then buy a bunch of them to give them away to visitors by the dozens and multiple dozens. The last time I saw her in her office a couple of years ago, the book she was giving away to visitors was by Eric Metaxas. She isn't and wasn't just intellectually curious. She was and is intellectually conservative and an evangelist for conservatism. 
If someone calls someone who's done all that and been all that for decades, including hosting reception after reception in her home for Trump administration officials when they came to town between 2017 and 2021, if someone like that is called or considered a rhino, you need to know something. You are in the presence of someone who says that, who doesn't know what conservatism is or means, or you are in the presence of someone who doesn't know what they are talking about. We conservatives hate being fooled. We hate people who campaign right and govern left. We hate being taken for granted. We hate when shaky foundations lead to shaky and non-conservative leadership. If that dislike and hatred of hucksterism or ignorance describes you, you have zero to worry about with Karen. She has been there for and in our movement for decades, and not just on the popular economic stuff, but on the fronts of our culture, from issues having to do with life, to education, to drug use, to you name it. The stuff a lot of comfortable conservatives don't like to touch or think it's too uncomfortable for them. At the end of the day, I would put it this way about Karen. As one of James Madison's biographers put it about him, when you knocked on Madison's door, there was always someone home. Well, when you knock on Karen's door, she was and is always home, too. We conservatives, in some, don't want to be and won't be fooled again. We've been promised too many times by soy dissent conservatives that they are conservative, only for them to disappoint. Karen will not, and she has the decades of hard work and service to prove it. So let me say a few things about being fooled and the other candidate running against her, and my endorsements for other candidates. I will do so after the break. But first, let me just conclude here. Karen will be not only the most effective governor Arizona has ever had, based on her experience and work work ethic, she will be our most conservative governor. There is a reason people like Steve Moore, Trump's tax and economics advisor, Mike Huckabee, Newt Gingrich and Bill Bennett have strongly and proudly endorsed Karen. Are they rhinos who don't know what they are talking about, too? Or are they the smartest and toughest and best conservative leaders our nation knows? Might one who wants to call Karen a rhino just take a moment of humility to ask why Bennett and Moore and Gingrich would endorse her, given statements that she is a rhino? In the end, Karen is not just conservative. She's a conservative and one of the smartest and most helpful I've ever known, and for decades. She's been in the fight and in the ring, and while not seeking the Klieg lights, she sought success and victory after victory that has already made our state and our country a better place because of her work. I'll return after the break on a few other thoughts on her race and the other candidates I'm endorsing as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm going to do a few other endorsements in this short segment, then I'm going to return to the governor's race in the segment after this because I have a lot more to say about it. So if you'll allow me a few other endorsements, I'll say a few words uh, on the opposition to Karen in a, in a moment just because of time constraints. For the Secretary of State race, it's always and only ever been Shauna Bullock. I've known, Sha- I've known Shauna for years before she ever ran for anything. She's rolled up her sleeves to help me with projects on protecting our youth from harmful drugs. She's been a veteran and leader of the school choice movement for decades. And she, too, 
is an alumnus of the Rick Santorum political family. We've had long talks and strategy, strategy sessions over the range of issues we conservatives talk about all the time. City Councilman Sal DeCicio once called her a game changer on this show, and yep, that's Shauna. And nobody has done more in the legislature to help address, repair, and fix our election systems and in integrity. Shauna simply has no peer for any office, so she has my vote for Secretary of State. As for the Attorney General race, Abe Hamaday all the way. When someone told me I needed to meet Abe and that he wanted to meet me, I said, who? They told me a little about him, and sure, I'm into and inclined to meet any candidate that wants to meet me, and I'll let you in on a little secret of mine, too. It's actually not a secret to longtime listeners. It is a secret, I guess, to a fair number of candidates. But it's this. I always announce at the beginning of a primary season that if a candidate wants my help and I've not already endorsed an opponent, I'm happy to help any way I can. It's for the conservative cause, and I've been doing it for years. Well, Abe took me up on it, the only and first candidate to do so. Another did later, much, much later. I met with Abe, and to say I was impressed is to say we need a better word than impressed. This, Abe, is what we want in a leader. His love of this country pours out of his heart and soul. His work is tireless. He is someone whose yes means yes and whose no means no. I'm pretty good at kicking tires after 25 years or so in this business, and his are all-terrain, no-blowout, tough, and hard rubber that can break nails, not be broken or blown out by them. You want smart. You want deeply committed. You want someone who asks what the right thing to do and not what the popular thing to do is? You want Abe Hamaday. There are other candidates I've endorsed from Vera Gibran. See my interview with her earlier in this week to several of the ladies running for school board in Scottsdale. Happy to chat about them, too. But for time constraints, you have my governor's endorsement, you have my attorney general endorsement, and you have my secretary of state endorsement and my rationales for why. Happy to talk about any or all of that with you anytime and even about the races where I haven't made an endorsement, where I haven't made up my mind. We can reason it out together, as LBJ once put it. When we return, I have more to say about the governor's race and a lot of the crud and junk I've heard, and it requires a clearing of my throat because I have kept silence and bitten my tongue for too long about it. So when we come back, we'll undertake that. As we go to break, let me put in a word for Balance of Nature, which I take every single day, balanceofnature.com, pure potent plant power, great product, great company. I can't tell you of a product I've ever taken that I've liked more. If you're inclined to take it, the fruits and veggies from Balance of Nature, check them out at balanceofnature.com. Just make sure to use discount code BALANCE. When we come back from the break, more on the governor's race. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth, having given you my endorsements uh, for the governor's race, the secretary of state race, the AG race, and a couple of others. I want to say something additional about the governor's race. I bit my tongue for a long time on this, and after uh, just so many questions, comments, and statements, I can no longer. So let me say a few things about Karen's opponent, because you've asked about these very things, and I also think I'm in a position to clarify a few things related to me, this show, and her candidacy. Please don't fall for rhetorical tricks and knavery. It's too easy. So when someone announces themselves a conservative and Republican or Trump supporter months after Trump left office, when after years the rest of us were working hard for the party and the cause and the candidate, and this someone was nowhere to be found until after Trump left office, what white What right do they have to tell us, we who took the slings and arrows for years, what right do they have to tell us she's the only real deal, the only real conservative, and that we who have been sweating and bleeding are the pretenders? She admitted in her own statement on resigning from her job that she was misleading us in her job and couldn't take it anymore. Go check it out. It's on her website. She admits to lying to us for years. Well, as the church lady would have said, how convenient. All this confession now, after Trump left office, after, as I say, we sweated and bled and donated and raised funds for Trump, when the fight was on and mattered, and when he was running for office, and when he was in office, and running for office again, we were there. After all that, after, is when she came out to tell us she's the champion of the cause and we are the problems. This person, nowhere to be found, comes on the scene to tell us we aren't the authentic ones only after the fight is over. How can anyone buy that or accept that? Another piece of knavery. I'm a bit tired of hearing, don't we want people to convert and come our way? Wasn't Reagan once a Democrat or even Trump? Buy me a vowel, because OMG. To compare Carrie Lake's conversion to Ronald Reagan's is an insult to intelligence, politics, Reagan, Trump, and history, not to mention awfully arrogant. Ronald Reagan did switch parties after a lot of thought and work. In 1960, while he was still a Democrat, he called John Kennedy a Marxist. In 1962, he campaigned for Richard Nixon to be governor of California. Two years later, he gave one of the landmark speeches in modern conservative history on behalf of Goldwater. And then two years after that, ran for office for the first time and as a Republican and took out California's most famous Democrat governor up to that time by over one million votes. He then governed. After he left the governor's office, he gave radio address after radio address when he had a microphone and was in the media on hugely smart and hefty conservative things, themes, and topics. He didn't read and peddle fake news. And then he ran for president. He proved himself for years. Not one year, not one year and a half, with nothing under or behind it that made or makes any sense at all, but a deep and abiding faith and philosophy that was proven and proven to be better than anyone else's. As for Trump... I remember 1988 when Dan Quayle was under fire in the campaign, made to look like a right-wing ignoramus. Quayle didn't have a lot of defenders. And who showed up on CNN at the GOP convention that year to defend him? 
one Donald J. Trump, 1988. You can see it on video. As far back as 2000, Trump was endowing and buying ads warning us about China. And of course, you look at what he was doing in 2008 to stop Barack Obama when this candidate was raising funds or knocking on doors for him. And of course, you look at the people he surrounded himself with when he did run for president. None of these people converted within a couple of months or when it was self-serving for their own next job interview. Next, the attack on Karen's marriage are, to me, disgusting. People who don't know her husband freely condemn this great man who has employed tens of thousands of people and supported every conservative candidate and cause we have all held near and dear for decades. Karen brought a ton to that marriage in her own right, and together they have been additional powerhouses and force multipliers. Attacks on his age? That only comes from people who do not know this Marine. He's a total stud. Are we now a party or movement that discourages marriages? That makes fun of age? Are we now a party or movement that discourages success? Starting from nothing and building a huge job in homemaking business? This man... This stud built homes for others with his bare hands hammering and finding studs and finding out a better mouse, figuring out a better mousetrap. And we're supposed to be against that now? And how about the attack on Karen for being a supporter of transgender rights? Do you know where that comes from? Carrie made a meal of it repeatedly on social media until it was found out that Carrie for years was praising her transgender friend and palling around with him or her. Where did that attack on Karen come from? Well, her husband gave money to a college, his alma mater, to build a hockey rink for students. Colorado law then made it the law that the bathrooms had to be trans-friendly. And that's Karen's and her husband's fault? No more than Trump building his ice rink in New York City, which was a great story, the Woolman ice rink, that got a lot of people to vote for him. But of course, it's New York City, and that public accommodation also had to comply with transgender laws. I guess Trump is a supporter of transgenderism by the same criteria Kerry uses to attack Karen. I'll tell you what. If that's supporting transgender policies while you are palling around with and praising a professional transgender entertainer, you are nothing more than a desperate gaslighter or projectionist. I could do a lot of this. But let me clarify one thing I keep hearing over and over. And it's that I will not have Carrie on my show. It's a lie and it's untrue. One of the many lies and untruths emanating from Carrie's campaign. And there's a history to this. There may be nobody in the world I've asked as many times to come on this show. Long before this race, a few years back, I and another local activist, philanthropist, had an idea to protect children and families from the toxic world of prostitution and drug use. I won't use that other person's name because I don't have permission to, but you'd likely know of her and anyone in the conservative world in Arizona certainly does and would want to work with her. We reached out to Carrie for help, politely seeking a meeting, thinking she'd possibly be a good ally as a mom and public face. Again, the effort, stopping youth drug use and prostitution. I received a one-sentence reply. I'm sorry, I have no interest in that. Okay. As Shakespeare put it, we shan't trouble the poor with begging. And I thought not about it again. But that's what her interest was before Trump left office. Fast forward to her resignation from her news anchor job. I offered several times to have her on my show to discuss the media and bias. Several. 
again and again. She either ignored it or said no. And then when she finally said yes, after many attempts by me, she wanted to keep it to no more than five minutes. I can't and won't do five minutes. Certainly not an important topic. And I've never met a guest who wanted less rather than more time. I could only guess this person just didn't have more than five minutes of thought to give or experience in a give and take. Mind you, this is a show where other news personalities have called in, often as callers, not even as guests, not worried about scripting, reputation, or anything else, and certainly not worried about having less rather than more time. I finally dropped it, especially as I've never let guests dictate the contours of an interview ahead of time as she was trying to do. I wonder if Carrie did that when she was a TV anchor. Next I heard, she announced she was running for governor. When her campaign kept begging me for an interview, I put it off because I didn't think it would be the kind of interview they'd want. I had a lot of questions for Carrie, questions she's never been asked about policy, about her change of opinion on politics, about her conservative firmament and beliefs. Questions you told me you had, the kind of questions she keeps saying nobody will ask her. Well, I wanted to. So after the umpteenth request from someone who turned me down again and again and again when she didn't care about this audience, I offered what any normal candidate would usually dream of, a whole hour, unfiltered, an hour to talk to this audience and get into every policy we could and every philosophical underpinning of her candidacy and why her change in political parties took place. And I said, any time, any day. Her team said no. Just five to ten minutes at most is all they would want and we were asking for. It's all they would do. First time in history a candidate asked for less time rather than more in front of a microphone. You see, I know how this works, folks. A question becomes uncomfortable. The shtick is to slam the interviewer or walk away and then blame an artificial time limit of the guest's own making. Well, I don't play those games. I don't play them with you or have guests dictate the contours of my interviews. But nobody who's been offered several opportunities to come on my show, including gobs of time, can tell you I won't have them on my show. Not if they are honest and sincere with you. I can do a lot more on this as I've heard a lot about it, but I think I'll just leave it at that for now, unless you want more. But my plea is this. Stand with Pete Townsend. If you take the party and movement and conservatism and truth seriously, say it with me. We won't be fooled again. That's what Trump and DeSantis teach. That's what Reagan taught. That's what all my teachers taught. And that's what you teach and live every day, too. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, one of the few Herb Alpert songs I can I can handle. Um, Pete Peterson is going to join us uh, in the third hour from uh, Pepperdine School of Public Policy, one of our favorite public intellectuals. And I want to talk to him about Peggy Noonan's column in the Wall Street Journal today. I think it shows up in print tomorrow, but it's in the paper. Excuse me, it's, on, it's online today. And it covers uh, about three different things. And the first and the third, I'm not so sure about. But the second, this is so Peggy, the second is about as good as it gets. You know, it's, Peggy does this. She, um, she when, when she's, it, what did someone once say about Churchill? When he's good, he's great. And when he's bad, oh, my God. Or when he's wrong, oh, my God. I, I feel that way. I think I've said that about Peggy before. I, I don't know of anyone else I say that much about. But... She's talking about the violence in this country in a way we've tried to do here. I've tried to do in many, many, many monologues. 
and uh, I'll just I'll just give you a sample of it because I think um, I think it's it's perhaps the most important cultural point to make. In New York and the country more broadly, the scary thing isn't that crime is high, though it is, though not as high as in previous crime waves. What's scary is that people no longer think the personal protective measures they used in the past apply. Previous crime waves were a matter of street thugs and professional criminals, and you could take steps in anticipation of their actions. Don't walk in the park at night. Criminals like darkness. Take the subway in rush hour because criminals don't like witnesses. Don't be on Main Street at 1 a.m., but do go to the afternoon parade. You could calculate, thereby increasing your margin of safety. Now such measures are meaningless because what you see on the street and in the news tells you that more than in the past, we're at the mercy of the seriously mentally ill. You can't calculate their actions because they can't be predicted, because they are crazy. She says a lot more, and it gets a little bit better. If you'll stick with me, I think you'll find it supremely important. I'm Seth Liebson, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Refi. If you're looking for a remarkable investment opportunity, check out my friends at Y Refi. They are offering an investment which is a fixed no load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors in a collateralized and secure portfolio. Y Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can check them out by going to investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Investors do well by doing good, and you can too. Or you can give them a call at 855-316-3087, 855-316-3087. I was talking uh, about Peggy Noonan's comments in the Wall Street Journal on crime uh, in her piece this week, and she was talking about how it's changed because of the crazy. She says, that is the anxiety builder. And it's not only the evidence of your eyes. There was a paper recently by the Manhattan Institute, Stephen Idy. New York hardly bothers to arrest anyone now. But as Mr. Idy notes, inmates with any mental disorder and who have been charged with a violent felony constitute a growing share of the city jail population. And people are feeling uniquely unprotected. On Highland Park, one thing needs saying that hasn't been sufficiently emphasized. America has grown confused about the rights of the individual and our obligations to society. We believe in beautiful things and incorporate them in our lives. You are free to be your own strange self. All have a right to privacy. We don't judge or interfere. But of course, we are all part of something larger called society. And we have responsibilities there as well. And we are losing our sense of protectiveness toward the society around us. You know what was obvious about the shooters in Uvalde and Highland Park? They were insane and dangerous. Anyone bothering to look could see, certainly family members or close friends. The killers physically presented themselves in the world as demons you'd meet in hell. On social media, they posted sick and violent videos and pictures. They had made threats. The Highland Park shooter had threatened to kill his family. Police had been to the house and removed the weapons. The Uvalde shooter made threats online and posted pictures of dead cats. They were loners 
in their heads and obsessed with social media. These were in cities smaller than the size of Tempe, folks, and nothing could or was done. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.